ahead and go into the word. Amen. And again, I give honor to our pastor. Again, I'm thankful for him. And I don't just say that because it's protocol or anything like that. I love him dearly. And he is leading this church in a wonderful way. And God is leading him. And I'm thankful that he is tuned in to God. That's the most important thing. He is tuned in to God. He's not just a great preacher, which he is. He's not just a great teacher, which he is. But he's tuned in to our mighty God. Amen. I want to look at it, and Brother Joe, I don't know what we've got, but I actually want to read um, from the Amplified, but I'm going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. And Paul says, As I urged you when I was on my way to Macedonia, stay on at Ephesus so that ye may instruct certain individuals not to teach any different doctrines, not to pay attention to legends, fables, myths, and endless genealogies, which give rise to useless speculation and meaningless arguments, rather than advancing God's program of instruction, which is grounded in faith and requires surrendering the entire self to God in absolute trust and confidence. I'm going to go ahead and read four again. Not to pay attention to legends, fables, myths, and endless genealogies which give rise to useless speculation and meaningless arguments rather than advancing God's program of instruction which is grounded in faith and requires surrendering the entire self to God and absolute trust and confidence. The thought for just a short time tonight is is, um, seek the truth, not the fables. Seek the truth not the fables. If you could just pray with me for a second. Lord, we thank you. We praise you, God. We thank you, Lord, for what you've already done here today, Jesus. We thank you for your move tonight. We thank you, Lord God, for hearing our prayers tonight and being with us, Lord Jesus. We thank you for what you're doing in every life, Lord God, right now. We pray that you're with those tomorrow morning that are mourning the losses of loved ones. We pray that you be with them and be their great comforter, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise. Amen, amen. You can be seated. Amen. Seeking the truth, not the fables. And when I look at just everything that we see in the world today, um, everything that I see that, that's of the world contradicts or is in conflict with this word. And, and when I think about the structure of, of, of how we're taught and how we learn and just everything that we go through in our day-to-day lives, which is just what we do. It's just everything that we are brought up to do, uh, be it through school or, or anything else that we do, education or getting a job, is we wait. Somebody gives us instruction. Somebody tells us this is what you're supposed to do. This is the way it's supposed to be done. These are the facts, whatever it may be. But a lot of that we're starting to find is in complete contradiction of the Word of God. And this is the only truth that I can ever look to. It's the only thing that I ever want to lean on because I know that anything else is going to lead me astray. And I am all for education. My wife's a teacher. Sister Gallimore, we have other teachers here in the place. And I'm 100% for education. I'm going to push my daughter to get as much education as she can. But I know that sometimes in education, they're simply teaching what they're told to teach, what they're told to instruct. 
And, and in some cases, they may not even necessarily believe what they're having to teach, but that's what they have to teach. And, and, and it's not just, again, in education. It's in everything that we see in, in this country right now, through our, our politicians, um, just everything that we do, especially on the workforce. This is how you do it. This is what we, we have to be careful of this. We have to be careful of that. Everything right now is just being careful and sensitive to things that may go against what this word says. And I've always found it funny that I, I see sometimes in debates or, or whatever, you see you get caught up, especially in the hot political environment that we're in in this nation right now. But whatever it may be, you know, you'll hear somebody say, well, well, you're not educated. And I am. And I, and I wonder sometimes if, if that means you just went and sat in a class where somebody read from a book and told you what to think. Or did you actually think and find something out for yourself? And that's the same as this word. I, I want to seek it. And I want to seek God. I don't want to seek fables. I don't want to look to what someone else has told me, but I want to seek that truth. And, and that's what we have the ability to do. God gave us, we sang that earlier, when he tore the veil, he gave us the ability to go ahead and come before that throne ourselves and seek that truth and say, Lord, you show me. You speak to me. I don't have to rely on the priests anymore. You know, that's what Moses wanted to do, that Moses didn't want to do. Moses, did, he wanted everyone to have that relationship with God. They were the ones that were afraid and said, I'm not going to go up there. I'm too afraid of that. So Moses said, okay, well, I'll do it. And, and we see that even back then, God was wanting to build relationships with us as individuals. It wasn't supposed to come through somebody else. All the way back to that sin in the garden that separated us from this. God, ever since that moment, has been trying to say, I want a relationship with you. I want a relationship with you as an individual. And we saw what Moses had to do and what he went through. On up until we can look at, again, at just history of the world. And we see what happened with the Catholic Church for so many years. No one could find, no one can have a Bible. And no one can own a Bible. It had to be, what did the Pope say? What does the Pope say? So that was everyone's relationship with God. That was how they found God. That's what, how they knew about God. So whatever they thought was what the, what the Pope told them or what the Catholic Church told them, not what God told them. And thank God for light that he has given us over hundreds of years because of Protestant reformations and men seeking God on their own and saying, there's got to be something more to this than just what the Catholic Church or what someone's telling me. There's got to be something. Oh, God, when I pray to you, I feel your spirit. And I feel that you're trying to say something to me. And I feel that you're trying to teach me something. So speak to me, God. And then the Holy Ghost falls on Azusa Street. And things start to change. And light starts to come over people. And we start to have a new view of God. And we start to understand him a little bit more. And what I want to say tonight is God's not done with that. He's not done shining light on us. He's not done revealing himself to us. But for many years, that's what we saw. Was what the church as in the Catholic Church said, this is what you're supposed to believe. This is what you have to do. The, this is the doctrine or this is the dogma that you have to go by. This is what you have to believe. And, oh, we can go back now and we can say, well, we recognize that for what, is it, what it is and that's false. We can go back and talk about the Council of Nicaea and say that's, that's a false doctrine. I know that, that that's a false doctrine because I understand what, that the Trinity is false. But I just wonder how many things over the years have crept into our thinking, 
how many things over the years have crept into our, our, our beliefs because we've not sought God for ourselves. That's why I'm thankful for a church and a pulpit that has a truth coming, coming from it. I'm thankful for a pastor, again, that's seeking God. And every minister that steps behind this or every evangelist that comes forth is speaking something that they're seeking God for this word. Shine the light on me, God, to help me speak the truth. But I just wonder how many things. If, if someone was to tell us this belief is, is passed down from hundreds of years of, uh, of Catholic dogma, we would instantaneously rebuke it and say, well, that can't be true. But I just wonder how many things because we've not sought God. There's too many things. I, I don't want to get caught up in, in, in things that I don't know or don't understand. What I do know is Jesus Christ. I do know this word. I do know hero Israel, the Lord our God is one God. Those are things that I do know. And that's what Paul is saying. Don't get caught up in the things that, that, that are useless. Don't get caught up in these fables or these endless genealogies. In Nehemiah, it talks about them looking at the genealogy to say, okay, what, we have to rebuild this city. We have to rebuild this, this city. And, and how do I do that? And he talks about genealogy that he finds. And, and Joe, Brother Joe, you might be able to bring that up, Nehemiah 7 and 5. But he, he looks back at that and says, okay, how can we find out how to do this? What can we do? And it talks about how he is revealed the, the, the genealogy of who had been there before and everyone that had been a part of the past in that area. And that's something that we can do. There is a time and place for us to go back to some old truths. If you find yourself confused, there's a time to go back to some old truths. If, there, if you find yourself lost, backslidden, getting away from the word of God, there's some things that we can fall back on. There's some genealogies that we can fall back on and say, I'm going to look back at this and I'm going to say, yes, I remember to be baptized in the name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I know that. I know that you're one God. Those are some things that I can fall back on. And those are some things that I can remember. But I don't want to get caught up in stuff that's useless. I don't want to get caught up in conflicts with people of something that I may not completely understand. We have too many disputes. God is doing something. He is calling people. He is calling his elect. He is calling his Holy Ghost-filled saints for something to happen. Something is happening, church. I'm telling you right now. We're getting ready to see some amazing things here at Tree of Life Church. Amen. Because if the word says even the elect may be deceived, I can tell you he's going to start revealing himself more and more to us. Because he doesn't want you to be deceived. He doesn't want you to be led astray. So he's starting to reveal things to our pastor, things that we're hearing. Truth is coming. He's starting to reveal more and more of himself. But I want to hold on to that steadfast doctrine of who he is, the name of Jesus Christ. Paul goes on to say here in, in verse 5, But the goal of our instruction is love which springs from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some individuals had wandered away from the things into empty arguments and useless discussions. Empty arguments and useless destructions. How often do we find ourselves engaged in these conflicts and these discussions that end up being useless? No one comes away a winner. Where does it take us? Where does it lead us? It doesn't, it doesn't exalt the Lord. It doesn't exalt him and bring someone to a place of repentance. I know what does. I know what brings people to a place of repentance. It's Jesus. 
It's the testimony. It's the blood of the lamb. It's the cross that we sang about. It's all those true things that we can stand on. I don't want to get caught up, and I know that th- this can be, you know, something that people are, are, you know, they don't know what to think or how to talk about it, but the whole conversations of pre-tribulation, post-tribulation, mid-tribulation, I think I've heard post-mid-tribulation, whatever it may be. I don't want to get caught up in that because I don't fully understand it. If God wanted me to know when he was coming back, he would say it. It would be in this word. Hey, if people want to talk about it, and, and that's fine with me, but I want to talk about the things that I know. I want to talk about the truths that I know. Those are the things that I can hold on to. Those are the things that are going to bring people to an altar of repentance. Those are the things that if I'm out and I'm talking to somebody, if I start talking about those things, what's it going to lead to? Is it going to lead to a, a conversation that, that is edifying God? Or is it going to lead to a dispute that we both walk away entangled in some argument? That Paul is saying, this is useless discussions. Why are you talking about that? People predicting when the rapture is going to take place. I don't know. Again, go ahead. If God is putting something on your heart, I'm not, I'm not saying don't do that. But I'm saying I don't want to get caught up in it because I don't know. And if I start looking at those things, then that takes my mind off of the things that I need to be looking at. If I start look at, t- looking at the useless conversations or debating doctrine that I don't fully understand, then all of a sudden my mind is going to be caught up and consumed with confusion. Because if we're going to debate about what the truth is, if this pastor says that or this pastor says that or, or, or this denomination says this or this denomination says that, then there's obviously confusion there. There's got to be confusion, right? If this pastor is saying this and this pastor is saying that, there's got to be some confusion there. And trust me, I, I discussed this message with our pastor and, and, and told him what, what I wanted to talk about tonight. But if there's confusion in conversation, then there could be a problem there. Because who's the author of confusion? Satan is the author of confusion. So when I get into a conversation where I start to hear some debate, or, well, the Bible says this, or the Word says this, or I interpret it this way, I'm going to say, you know what? Amen. But I know here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. I know that I'm supposed to repent. I know what Acts 2.38 says. Those are things that I know. And there are some other things that we definitely can stand on as truth. But I want to make sure that every time I'm in a conversation, I'm talking about something that I understand. Paul continues to say, want, people are wanting to be teachers of the law of Moses, even though they do not understand the terms they use or the subjects about which they or make such confident declarations. Again, confident declarations. How many people are out there making confident declarations and filling people with false doctrines? Verse 8, now we know without any doubt that the law is good if one uses it lawfully and appropriately. And he goes on to say that we know the law is for the sinners, but that uh, we should understand we, don't, we live differently, but the law was made for people that are sinners. But again, I don't want to be caught up in these useless debates. I don't want to be caught up in, in, in things that aren't really going to point towards Jesus. They're not going to really point people towards repentance. They're not going to really bring, bring people to that place where they need to be seeking God. If they're going to get caught up in stuff that really doesn't do anything or take them anywhere, then why are we talking about it? I want to talk about the Lord. I want to talk about him and telling people their testimony. Brother Brandon, going down and saying, you need to know who Jesus Christ is and what he'll do for you. Not about stuff that, that they're not going to understand. I heard Brother Terry Shock say once, 
So many times we start talking trigonometry to people that are just coming into church. They don't understand all that. Why are we wasting time trying to talk about things that we sometimes don't even understand? Again, that's why I'm thankful for our pastor that he's bringing a truth and he's bringing a revelation that he has been given clarity on for us as a body of Christ. But I want to have that personal relationship, personal relationship with God. I mean, look at Paul. If there's one person that is saying this, he's one that understood completely what it was like to have these false teachings and these false doctrines and, and, and everything that he did. He's saying right now, he's instructing Timothy, just tell him about Jesus. If there's one person that can talk about that, it's Paul on a road to Damascus after everything that he'd been doing. Having that interaction with Jesus and saying, you know what? I don't care about all those other things that I've talked about. I, I don't care about all the other s- stuff that I got caught up in because you know what? I, I don't think the Pharisees set out to be bad people. I don't think they had any intention on being bad people. They just ended up buying into these endless genealogies, useless fables, starting to add their own or take their own away. That's not what we're supposed to do. Take this exactly for what it is. Let's not start buying into somebody saying, well, I think this is what it says. And again, I love it. I get caught up into it myself sometimes. It's fun to say, well, all right, is this this the year? Or, or this prediction, are they right? Or, or, or what about this? I, I get it, but I have to stay true. I have to stay true to the things that I know. I have to stay true to the things that are absolute, that I can trust, that I can stand on, that I can raise my family on, that I can go out and talk to somebody that's lost and say, I don't know about that. I know that the world is caught up in this, and what does that mean, and what does this mean? And I can say, I can say without having any problem of saying it, you know what, I don't completely know if I understand that. But let me talk to you about Jesus. Let me talk to you about my testimony let me talk to you about what I know. And, and if you want to seek out on that, you go ahead and do that. And I tell you what, we have a, a class here. It's called a Christian Development or New Members class. And we go through things that we know. We know that prayer works. We know to be baptized. We know to be filled with the Holy Ghost. We know who Jesus is. Those are the things that I want to talk to you about. I don't want to get caught up about some things that I don't completely understand. So what would happen if that's, if that's what we did? But again, we're set up to just to just listen and then go and do. I, I remember in, in, in college, a course that I took, I think it was sociology. I'm not quite sure what it was, but I, I remember the first day the guy came in, you know, in a, a Grateful Dead t-shirt, and I'm like, all right, here we go. So he started talking about just some crazy stuff, and I'm like, okay, I know this isn't true. I know a lot of the things that you're talking about I'm not going to buy into, but so many people, unfortunately, they don't know. They're just going because that's what they're told to do. I'm just going to go ahead, and I'm going to get this, and I'm going to write this down. This is what my professor told me. You know, this is what so-and-so told me. This is what, you know, my great-grandma told me, whatever it may be. And then we're just walking through some, some of these things are fables. Some of these things may not actually be true. So all of a sudden, we're taking these as hardline truths. And are we even seeking God on some of these things? Are we even on our own going into our prayer closet and saying, Lord, I don't even know where this came from, but is it true? Is this in your word? Or is this just something that, that I've heard along the way and now I've just accepted as a truth? I don't believe that's what God wants for us. I believe that God wants a personal relationship with each one of us. I look at evolution and how 
people just so, okay, I'll take hold of that, and science. And I think, I love when I hear arguments and people say, well, science says, or science says, and I have to laugh, I laugh to myself because I'm like, science seems to disprove itself every other day. Well, this is what we thought, but this is what we just learned. And then the next week it'll be like, well, this is what we thought, but this is what we just learned based on new science. So when is it going to stop? I, ha- I have no idea. So I have to ask people when they start using that, that argument, okay, so you're holding on to science and you're saying, well, you're holding on to faith. Yes, I'm going to hold on to faith because something inside of me stirs up when God starts speaking. Something inside of me stirs up when I start hearing the word of God preached and I know it's true. Something inside of me starts to stir up when I'm praying to God and I feel his presence moving and I feel his presence and I feel his healing and I feel him coming to a sanctuary like I felt this morning and people are running and people are shouting and people are falling in the spirit. That's something that I can hold on to and I know that tomorrow that's not going to get disproved because I'm going to remember it again tomorrow and I'm going to remember it again tonight and when I get home and when I wake up tomorrow when I go into prayer and I'm going to feel that presence again you can't take the presence of God away from me you can change your science but you can't take the presence of God away from me you're not going to take that from me I know what I feel when I pray and you're not going to tell me what that is or try and explain it away because I know what I've seen in my life we overcome by the word of the lamb and the blood of, or the, the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. How many of you have a testimony tonight? That's something that I love. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. A good old-fashioned testimony. I don't know if Brother Dan's here tonight. I can't tell you how many times we walked into a jail cell. And we walked in and we start preaching and, and reading from the word and the these and the thous and the those. And the eyes are wide and they're like, glazed over and they're like I don't understand all that but you start talking about a testimony and it starts to witness to people you start telling them what God's done for you and you start to chip away at their heart God starts to soften their heart those are the things that I know and you can't take them away there's no those aren't old fables I think about the the old story that I've heard and I I may say it wrong so forgive me but you've probably all heard it I've heard it in several messages but of the mom that's Got the daughter for the first time. She's teaching her how to cook the ham or whatever it was for Thanksgiving. And they go out and the mom cuts the edges off the ham, both sides, and puts it in the, in the pan and they put it in the oven. And the daughter says, well, why are you cutting the, the edges off the ham? And she says, you know, I don't know. That's what my mom always did. So they call her and say, mom, you know, why did you do that? And she said, oh, well, that's how my mom taught me. And she taught me that because... That, that, that's the only way she could fit the ham in the pan. It was only that big. So the point is, they didn't need to cut those edges off. And that's what I'm afraid that we have, we've gotten too accustomed to. It's just letting somebody else be our relationship with God. Amen. I'm thankful for our pastor. Again, I'll say it every day. I'm thankful and what he brings to us. But I know I've got to go find a place for myself. I know I've got to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ so he can show me what he wants to show me. Because our pastor's going to bring what needs to be brought to the body, to the tree of life. But God is saying, you as an individual also have a place for me. I also have a plan for you as an individual that is separate from just what's happening in the body and what he's doing for each and every one of us. And too many 
of us are living below the promise. Too many of us are just coming in every week, week after week, and I don't know that the Holy Ghost has moved on some people for years because it's gotten to a point where we're just waiting for somebody else to do it. I think a prayer closet might be empty in that case. Hey, I go through it too. We go through it in different times when we just go through the motions. And as I come in and I get filled up on a Sunday morning and I leave charged up and I leave ready to go and I leave and I'm excited and then come Monday morning, it starts to chip away a little bit and a little bit more and a little bit more. Maybe I can make Wednesday night. Maybe I can't. I don't know, but I'm going to try because I need to get something. I need to come and get something in me. And then I get a little bit of a boost again. And then Thursday a day of work, and I'm beat down again. Friday comes, Saturday comes, back at it Sunday. But what would happen? My God, what would happen if every one of us was on fire for ourselves, not just waiting for pastor to fill us up? If every one of us was on fire for ourselves, what would God do? What would we see if that was the case? What would happen? My Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, help us, Lord God. A personal relationship with God. I think back of growing up and my mom and my cousin Teresa and then the prayer meetings that they would have when I'm 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old. And, and every week, faithfully every week, I would come home and I would go in and they would be just in a vein of prayer and I would feel the presence of God. And at that point in time in my life, it scared me more than anything. But I knew there was something good about it. I knew there was something powerful about it. Seeking God on our own. Seeking God with one another. And I know that there was one day I was coming home from a little neighborhood game of, of football, um, a couple miles away, whatever, and uh, in Anderson Township, there's a pretty busy road, uh, eight mile, and I'm on my bike, and I didn't, wasn't obedient, so I went to cross the street, and I didn't go up to the light of the crosswalk, I just crossed with where I thought it would be safe, and I see a big van go by, and I take off. The next thing I hear is just screeching tires. Boom, I get hit. I fly 10 feet or so up in, the, up in the air, land on the car, roll down in a ditch. My bike's mangled. People in the car, it was a convertible, are going crazy. She's, the, the woman's crying, hysterics. And I'm like, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. The police officer comes, and he's like, we got to take you to the hospital. I'm like, no, no, I, I'm, I'm fine. I'm actually fine. My bike is more damaged than I am. I'm just going to go ahead and go home. I don't know that a cop would let you do that today. Uh, but when I was young, it was a little bit different, and they let me go ahead and go home. And I walk in the door, a little bit shaken up, and they were in the middle of one of those prayer meetings and stopped immediately as soon as I opened the door and said, are you okay? We had to intercede about 10, 15 minutes ago for you. God stopped every one of our prayers and, caught and, and made every one of us to start praying for you. What I'm saying, church, is... What I'm saying, church, is there was people that weren't just waiting for church. They weren't just waiting to come into a building and go through everything that we go through. They were seeking God on them for themselves and saying, I don't know, God, but I know you've got something deeper for me. I know you've got something for me, and I want to meet and get together, and I want to pray to, pray to you on my own. And God spoke. God's speaking to us. He wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to us tonight this week. And what would happen if we came in here prayed up? What would happen if we came in here on a Sunday morning at 9.30 when we come into prayer and we're prayed up? Would we see miracles? 
Would we see healing starting to happen? Would we see God move? I can't help but think, yes, we would. I can't help but think God would start doing miraculous things when we didn't come in and wait for the music to start and say, okay, in 20 minutes, when the power of the, of the prayer and the worship, and every, let them do the work. Let the musicians do the work. Let those that are coming in at 930 to pray, let them do the work. Let Pastor Urshan come in here and start praying. And about halfway through his service, I'll start getting revved up, and I'll start receiving something. What would happen if us, if the Tree of Life Church said, you know what, I want something. I'm going to start doing something on my own, and I'm going to come in here ready to go. I'm not going to wait to get revved up. I'm going to come in. I'm going to bring the Holy Ghost in. As soon as I pull in that driveway, the Holy Ghost is going to be in my car, and it's going to come in that building with me. It's going to come in that sanctuary with me, and the presence of God is going to be in this place. How much easier would pastor's job be? How much more would those people that are coming up every Sunday saying, I'm addicted, and I need help. I need deliverance, and there are tears in their eyes. How much easier would it be for them to be delivered if us as Tree of Life was prayed up and saying, you know what? You come on into the safe place because we're going to be prayed up for you. We're not going to wait for you to come in and wait for the Spirit of God to move because the right song came on. Or pastor preached from my favorite book of the Bible. Whatever it may be, it's because we're prayed up. My God, what would happen if we did that? If there's one truth that I know we can stand on, church, and if there's one thing that you hear tonight, hear this. It's when, when Jesus said, who do men say I am? Who do men say I am? Oh, I don't know, Jesus. Some of them, some say you're Elias. Some say you're John the Baptist. But Jesus, that's not what he wanted to hear. He's like, okay, who do you say I am? Tree of life, who do you say he is? Can I ask you that tonight? Who do you say he is? Hallelujah, Peter said, thou art the Christ. Thou art the Christ. He caught it. Jesus stopped right then. Something changed. At that moment, Jesus said, now, you're starting to get it. Everything that I've been teaching you. You're starting to understand who I am. You're starting to understand and have the revelation of who I am. Thank you, Jesus. And he said, upon this rock. Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Talk about fables and false doctrines. Catholic Church, some churches, Peter's that rock. That's not true. We know that's not true. Those are some of the fables. Those are the things that get passed down. But Jesus said, upon this rock. He's talking about the revelation of who he is. Because he said, flesh and blood has not told you this. But it's my Father that's in heaven that revealed this to you. Not your flesh and blood. Not the fables. Not what the Pharisees. Not what anybody else that you've heard growing up or anything has said. It's my Father that's in heaven that has revealed this to you. And upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I just wonder tonight how many of us have heard that so many times, but how, have we all received it? Have we accepted it? Have we said, you know what, I'm putting this in my heart? Because if there's one truth in here, again, I've talked, there's a lot of things that we can hold on to and a lot of things that we can't. That's one thing that I'm going to hold on to. Who is he? 
Thou art the Christ. I just wonder how many people are living below what they need to be living below. Not getting the promises. Not getting the the blessings that God has for them. Because they've taken that and said, okay, that's just another scripture. Upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. When you get that, you can understand that the gates of hell will not prevail against me. Because I'm part of this church that has this revelation. That knows you are the Christ. You are God in the flesh. I'm not waiting for tribulation. I'm not waiting for a thousand year reign. Quite honestly, I'm not even waiting for the second coming. I'm living in the victory right now. Because he said the gates of hell shall not prevail against this church. That means I have the victory right now. How many of us are living in the victory right now every day? Or how many of us are praying the same prayers over and over? Lord God, help me with this. Help me with this. Deliver, deliver me from this. Deliver me from this. Waiting for, well, okay, maybe, you know, when we, the tribulation's coming. Or, or, or maybe when you come back, Lord. Maybe during a thousand-year reign, I'll have victory. That's not what he said. That's not what he said. He said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. That's right now. He's saying, you live in the victory right now. Because you have the revelation that I am God. I am God. In the flesh, that's me. And I just wonder how many people are just going through their days and not living in that victory. I don't know. But if you've heard one thing I've said tonight, hear that you have a victory right now. Receive that tonight, that you're living in victory right now. I don't care what fables you're holding on to. I don't care what fables you're holding on to. Seek the truth, not the fables. Because there's a truth, and the truth is, He is the Christ. He is the Christ. And upon that rock, that revelation of who he is, that means if you have received that, he's saying, that is my church. You're a part of that church, and you need to live in that victory right now, tonight. There's some amazing things coming of Tree of Life Church. There's no question about it. There's some amazing things getting ready to happen. God is revealing things to the pastor. He's leading us. He's taking this congregation, Tree of Life Church, into some things that are, are going to be just wonders. There's, he didn't just bring us here to this property and give us this plan to build this building just because, hey, yeah, you guys have been faithful. He wants to do something. He's opening this church up to receive people coming from all different backgrounds. Again, they're coming in here with all kinds of fables. They're coming in here with all kinds of doctrines. We don't need to debate with them when they come in here about that. Just say, hey, seek Jesus. Listen to the word when it's coming forth. Pray. Go to your prayer closet. Look into this word, and you'll find the truth. I'm not going to get caught up in some of these useless conversations with you that are going to lead to nothing or frustrate you and cause you to leave here thinking, I I don't know if I want to go back to that church. Paul said, do it in love. We're just going to love them. We're going to let them come up here and say, I'm addicted to something. I'm addicted to drugs and I need help. They're not worried about some of the stuff that we're caught up in. They're not caught up in that stuff. They're not caught up in in a church hurt. We go through church hurt and we deal with those things. But that's not what Jesus is telling us to do. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. All this other stuff is is useless conversation. We don't need to be fighting with one another or worried about what another's saying or doing. It's useless conversation. It's Jesus Christ. It's thou art the Christ. It's upon this rock I will build my church. It's the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus, Lord, I want to come to an end because I, I just feel like
we just need to take a few moments and seek him. We need to take, take this, this understanding and say, you know what, I, I'm tired, Lord, of, of, of consuming my mind with things that, that really aren't of any importance when it comes down to it. I'm tired of being caught up in, in, in trials and, and problems that I'm dealing with when you said the gates of hell shall not prevail against me. That was his promise. If the musicians could come forward, that's his promise. We have that victory. And I'm tired, Lord, of being caught up in, in, in wondering if, if this is the time, if now you're going to answer this prayer, if now you're going to come and, and help this situation. All the while he's saying, no, I told you already. I told you. Upon this rock I will build my church. That's you. That's every one of us. If you have the understanding of revelation, thou art the Christ, then he told you right then in that moment. He wasn't just talking to Peter. He was talking to the church. Upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. Stop praying for the same things over and over. Start thanking him for answering what you're praying for. Start receiving that promise. Start believing it. Stop, stop saying, I'm going to start listening to this confusing talk. I'm going to stop listening to these fables. And I'm going to start listening to the truth, the things that I know. If you could stand and let's just start seeking the Lord for a minute. Lord, thank you for your truth, God. Help us, Lord God, to not get caught in the confusion that the enemy brings into our minds. Jesus, we thank you, God. Thank you, Lord God. Help us to live in victory of who you are, Jesus. Help us, Lord God, to start walking in the victory, Jesus, of who you are. That you are the Christ. That you are God in the flesh. That our victory is in you. That the gates of hell have no power over me. Help us, Lord God, with the lies, Lord God, that Satan is telling us that, that we're bound and stricken to certain things. We have victory and freedom in you with that understanding and that revelation, Lord. That upon this rock I will build my church. Jesus, I thank you, Lord God. Jesus, my, I thank you, God. Lord Jesus, if you've been living short of that victory, I just ask you to come forward. If you just want to seek him a little bit, I ask you to come forward. If you just want to know him a little bit better tonight, I ask you to come forward. In the name of Jesus, help us, Lord God, tonight, Lord God. Help us to understand more of you. If you want to have more of him, I ask you to come forward. If you want to know him better tonight, I ask you to come forward. If you want his presence to consume you tonight, I ask you to come forward. Because he wants to show more of himself tonight and get rid of those old fables and say, this is who I am. He wants to have a personal relationship with you tonight. If you want to make your relationship with him tonight that much better and that much deeper, I ask you to come forward. Because he put this word on my heart tonight to say, I want to know my people. I want them to know me better. I want them to seek me personally. I want them to come to me personally and not just make it a casual experience when they go to service or when they go to church. I want my people, my people that are called by my name to humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face because he said he would hear us from heaven and he would heal our land. If you want to get to know him a little bit better tonight, 
I ask you to come forward. He's ready to talk to you tonight.